Miramar is like the gathering place for all of this language knowledge work, foundational place for everything to be stored safely, just to know that there is a, a piece of technology developed by Aboriginal people for Aboriginal people that is unique. Polima, which loosely translates to mean making voice. This upcoming decade, we need proper action. Our languages are important because as soon as we stop listening, we're not going to hear the signals that things are a mess with the environment. Welcome to Nourishing Matters to Chew On. I'm Anthea Fawcett. Join me on a journey across our food and agricultural landscapes as I speak with inspiring people who are tackling parts of the wicked puzzle to enable change toward a healthier, more sustainable, fair and resilient food system and environment. I acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connections to land, water and culture. I acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded and pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. 2022 marks the beginning of the UN Decade of Indigenous Languages. In this episode, I speak with Darren McKenney. This is part two from our Good Long Yarn. Listen through to hear about the Miramar technologies in detail. A very good um, presentation that was at the 2019 conference and speaks very directly to what you've just highlighted for East Coast languages and how important they are for healing, recovery, country, everything. Yeah. And you've mentioned Wiradjuri language and the important work of Uncle of Mr Grant. But at Palima, I was blown away by the presentation by Rhonda Ashby and Bernadette Duncan for Gamilaroi, yep. and I'm probably mispronouncing that because I know there's a few pronunciations. Yep, yep, yeah, no, you got it. For Gamilaroi country that, you know, basically they had, you know, basically those languages, excuse the language, were stock whipped out of people. They weren't, people were not allowed to speak them yep. quite recently in living memory. Yeah. But they have managed to collate, preserve, protect something like 300, 350 words? Oh, okay. So Gomori language, which uh, takes in also Yualara and Yualara uh, languages. They literally had the words, but not the linguistics, not the not the um, semantics. And Rhonda Ashby, Bernadette Duncan, yes. But Bernadette Duncan then took the words and went to Bachelor to learn the linguistics, to reform the sentences and the phrases and the the nuance of how that language could be used. Yeah. And then they together got that language. It's the first Aboriginal language on the Australian Atlas. Yeah, the Atlas for Living Australia, ALA, which is... Um, yeah, so, I mean, yeah. that that is such a powerful story, isn't it? Yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, Noongar is uh, followed since. So yeah. Bernadette and uh, what Bernadette and, um, and Rhonda have done has laid the foundation for the, the second language, which is um, Noongar to for them to be able to express their um the, what's in their biodiversity the animals and the um and the plants uh within ALA the Atlas for Living Australia but it's it's but but it's something which you touch on is is that whilst we can lose a language overnight it can take decades and decades unfortunately to bring that language back and the um the, the full lexicon or the linguistics of yeah, meaning and yeah, nuance and everything yeah yeah it's unfortunately the effort the time, the effort, and 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 it can also be, of course, the investment, whether that be the you know the physical or the or the monetary investment in that, is phenomenal. Unfortunately, so it's like it's good economics of scale mm. to stop a language from being lost, mm. because once it is lost. It costs an awful lot of dollars and time to bring it back, and we can't. Yeah, that's like you know where the likes of Uncle Stan have devoted their life, mm. and that's you know, he shouldn't be. He should be devoting his life to caring for his family and looking after country, not bringing back a language. So, Darren, just in terms, so this is being a bit definitional, but I think it's an interesting sort of a way of picturing the urgency. You mentioned that there are probably twenty spoken languages with you know regular regularly strong, strong. languages yeah so that's from the um the national indigenous languages report which IATSIS uh do through the federal government every couple of years yeah so in terms of for example that Gamilaroi example we just spoke about would you have categorized that language as a strong language or as one being revitalized no. <laughs> it's um those strong languages are unfortunately possibly sitting in the cape top of australia uh, in, in territory and, and WA, in some of the desert languages, they are. Central Australia, the Kimberley. It's where you wake up in the morning 
and your first thought is in language. Your day is all in language. You go to sleep and you dream in language, and then you wake up the next day when you, that's everything of living. Yeah, and you go to East Arnhem Land and the kids at school, English is their fourth or fifth language. Yeah. The International Decade of Indigenous Languages calls for the world to take urgent steps at national and international levels to revive and strengthen Indigenous languages, what we've just been talking about, recognising that the complex knowledges and cultures that languages foster are, are vital living resources, but, you know, just so incredibly important as strategic resources for good governance peace building and sustainable development, i.e. stepping away from a monocultural view of development and where it's got us to. So, so many people around the world are looking to Indigenous people for leadership and other ways of being, and that's a huge pressure to put upon people who have been uh, marginalised. But having said that, it's an opportunity. And I was just uh, thinking, you know, there are so many beautiful, powerful, profound expressions or words that are of a different knowledge system, of a different value system, that are now increasingly making their way into mainstream Australian understanding, albeit piecemeal, and hopefully it'll become much stronger. And, I, and I'm thinking of, um, well, there's languages and there's ways of working with, with our places. And I'm thinking of Jerry Turpin's Indigenous Biocultural Knowledge Using Many Knowledges, Victor Stephenson and the Fire Sticks Alliance, everyone's looking to them for urgent help going forward, not before time. Um, and then I was also thinking of the wonderful Dr. Miriam Rose, the Senior Australian of the Year for 2021. Her, she, her recognition couldn't have come at a more urgent time, uh, particularly in light of um, her thinking around Dadiri, deep contemplation and being with and in nature. And I think that's resonated with many, many people. And then, of course, the Uluru Statement has the maharata, the idea or another word for treaty or agreement making done in a um, non-conflictual sort of way. Are there, I hope I'm not being too trite with those observations, are there other sort of high-level high, high conceptual words or understandings that you've come across that you think mainstream Australia could so desperately benefit from? Because a, a word generates a whole way of thinking as well, can trigger... So are you after? Are there other concepts that you've come across that you just think, oh, my goodness, mainstream Australia so desperately needs to get a, get their head around this, <laughs> is what I'm sort of saying. I don't know if I can, like, yeah, look, I'm the last one who's political in any way, okay? But right at this moment, I think we need to realise, and like, and I, uh, I think you might have mentioned this earlier, is, is that like, I got, I, I very much prefer to describe our languages as being environmentally based. Mm, yes. Um, they, you know, it's about, because it's about living within and being part of and caring for, and also the environment caring for us. Mm. And we've seen, especially over the last few years, final, unfortunately, it's taken all these disasters for people to realise, um, you know, that if we don't start looking after it, it's going to... It's teaching us its lessons right at this moment. And what's happening is, is that now governments are being elected and losing office if, they, if they're not listening to and having part of it, environmental policies within it. And when you're talking about languages as being environmentally based languages, which, allow, which give us this knowledge to, to reflect, you, know, you, know, you talk about, you know, Victor, with fire sticks, yeah, the languages of the old people and the, and what they give us through language is what's going to protect this country because this is fire country and uh, and we need that. We need these uh, uh, all, all along, all over, whether it's in the desert, whether it's on the coast in a rainforest, we need this existing. Like I said earlier, it's for everyone to, to utilise and to understand and, uh, and and to make benefit of it for whatever that objective may be. What about the ocean, Darren? I know it's very dear to your heart. What can we learn from? What are some concepts, ideas that travel for you with that beautiful work you do when you're out recording whales in the ocean? Okay, so, yeah, like people like to hear when we speak of our pretty stories that we have and we speak about our totems and our dreaming stories and everyone can get all the feel good and so forth and that they are. But I'll, yeah, like what we do do is, is that 
you know, whilst our religions have their their um, their concepts and their their belief systems and their characters within them, within Christianity and Catholicism and and uh, and, and and many other diverse religions from around the world, and that there we have ours, and that and and what figures very greatly within our within our religions, our belief system, our dreamings is is everything within the environment. And the position of those those characters and those players, whether it's uh, the you know, the great wedge-tailed eagle on the coast here, for many is our of our highest totem, our creators. Whether it's the dolphins um, in the water, whether it's the turtles, whether it's the butterfly or the bees, whether it's the humpback whale for us here and for many along our coast, these are our ocean creators. These are living giants, dinosaurs swimming in our oceans today, which we, they have a communication system which is far greater than what's, that is far greater than possibly the majority of mammals on land. Our marine mammals, these whales, have bring song and story and poem and, and, uh, and, and conversation of, a, of relationships which exist through their languages, which, of course, you mentioned, I love putting a hydrophone underwater and listening to, but our people have been listening to and learning from their songs and their languages and their communications and their conversations and bringing them on land and they've been part of our story the rhythms within their words, like what the birds sing on the tree, have been part of our ceremonies and our knowledge systems for eternity. And they need to continue to be because the thing is, is that we can't stop listening. If Because as soon as we stop listening, we're not going to hear the signals that things are a mess with the environment. And, and, uh, and that's one thing which is possibly be happening because the environment tells us and teaches us. And if we stop listening, it's, it's, uh, you know, loss is occurring when we stop listening. And, and, and further damage is rushing at us. Yeah, yeah. Are you happy now to talk about the nitty-gritty, you know, the technologies and how you help people and the services you offer? Yeah. So, Darren, helping... Elders, communities, groups, rangers, record, recover, language and culture and country visually and orally is, is central and is really key to what you do. And, and Miramar, its full title is the Miramar Aboriginal Language and Technology Centre. Technology is absolutely key to what you do. And First Peoples are incredibly nimble at mobilising apps and videos and mobile phones to record all sorts of things. Can we spend a bit of time, uh, can, can, can you describe what you and Miramar do and what you offer as a technology and training centre to First Peoples in Australia and overseas? Just sort of walk and talk us through the things that you do because it's pretty incredible and people can enter into it on their language journey at various levels and then get very sophisticated depending on how long they travel with them. So, um, okay, so go back to the word, to the uh, translation of Miramar, loosely meaning to care for, to protect, to stop from loss, okay? And um, uh, when we started 20 years ago, so like technology can be as simple as pen and paper. Mm. And if we, if we, if we realise that, so we've got those type of technologies and we also had the digital technologies, the non-digital and the digital, if I can just loosely describe that. So 20 years ago when we started, you know, all we had as tools for us to document and capture and record our language was um, Microsoft Excel, Microsoft Word. Uh, as, as two Aboriginal fellas, myself and A.B. Wright, um, as two Aboriginal fellas just wanting to bring back the language and to speak it from the words of, from the of the country where we were born and living, whilst not through marital lines and paternal lines um, from this country as such, we're born here. It's where we live, sea country. Mm. So those were the tools we had, and we and we found out that the uh, the 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 academics and the linguists and the other researchers and so forth, for they had all these weird, freaky, crazy computer programs. They were able to specifically document and, uh, and capture through a lens of linguistics using computers as such. 
and gather what was necessary to them as such there. And what I found was is, is that uh, no one was doing this for Aboriginal people here in Australia, or very few were doing it for Native or Indigenous people around the world. Uh, I did come across um, uh, who, who still exist today, thankfully, First Voices, which arose out of the First Peoples Cultural Council in um, British Columbia, um, Canada there. And they they had developed um, and still do uh, some amazing ways of you know, documenting language, providing the tools and the technology to native people. It's browser based and and as such there. And 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 whilst uh, it was amazing, it actually planted the seed for me to develop this concept of this tool, which we just happen to call Miramar. Software, the technology, the application, as such, there to imp- uh, to us to have our own tool sitting on our own computer, not in a cloud anywhere, but something for us to use to do this out work ourselves. And here we are in 2022. The Miramar software, the Miramar technology, the application is pos- possibly still one of only five language-specific tools in the world. And other than the first voices one, which is cloud-based, but ours is the only one in the world's, yeah, basically aimed at, developed by one Aboriginal people, Indigenous people, and aimed at empowering our people to do this work ourselves. These are our languages, these are our knowledges, and it is our business to be at the forefront of doing this. We need to be leading this and controlling this and continuing this, but have us in the position, which whatever reason Miramar allows us to do is, is uh, once we're doing this and back at this forefront, we can then decide who we have relationship with and who we, uh, who we invite in uh, to do this work and at what time they do and so forth there. And, and uh, Briz, what it does is it allows economic return via the funding which we receive to uh, to have our people employed to do this while the Miramar software itself doesn't do any everything unless someone gives me a million dollars until that moment comes we'll be able to make sure it does do everything it it provides employment it provides safety and security for that community those languages those individuals those families which are doing all of this and um, whilst it's not everything and it's not the not the be all and end all of this, just to know that there is a, a piece of technology developed by Aboriginal people for Aboriginal people that is unique. And to be used by Aboriginal people in ways that they feel comfortable and and, and in, in charge of. Yeah, yeah. We So what we found was is with the linguistic aimed and developed uh, uh, specific tools is as that it was an e. I was going bald. I was losing my hair trying to learn and age very quickly and trying to learn. <laughs> this is actually pretty, it's, it's actually a pretty simple task we have to do. Document, save, disseminate our languages. And put protocols around it so it's not ripped yeah, off. <laughs> correct. And, uh, and it's only us that, that, that can do that. And uh, so we, we, yeah, that's one of the things is, is that this can be easy. So let's make it easy. We make sure that the learning curve of using the Miramar software, as an example, is, is 30 minutes, you're up and going. You don't need me anymore. What is it? T- tell me what I learned. So I'm, I'm, I'm a Luddite, as you can tell. Here I am on Zoom. <laughs> so, so what am I learning? I'm learning how to audio record, video. What am I, what am I, what am I learning? So that's one of the things this is that's unique about the Miramar software amongst actually all of the applications around the world is is that Miramar brings in heavy multimedia ability. So you can add your images, add your audio, add your video alongside of the written text, which we're now using from with Roman symbols for our languages and our knowledges there. So it brings in all of those key formats to help uh, digitize all of that in some context to set a foundation for all future activities then to happen and build on over time no doubt as more as new formats and foundations yeah it's the foundational work for whatever happens so it's like um miramar's like the gathering the gathering place for all of it 
for all of this language knowledge work. And then whether you use Miramar after or other technologies or other applications or other methods and whatnot, great, but you still need a foundational place for everything to be stored safely and using world best standards, which is one we're very adamant about making sure that no one can question anything and everything in this work. And that's what it's, um, it's acknowledged that um, it's acknowledged throughout Australia and used throughout Australia, the Torres Strait Islands, uh, Tasmania through, um, through Palawakani, uh, languages fully documented using uh, Miramar behind the scenes up in the Torres Strait Islands, Asia, Indonesia, Papua New Guinea, China, Turkey, Thailand. Oh, no, it's incredible. There's a, map, there's a map on the Miramar website, everyone. Go and have a look at it. There are hundreds of places that have benefited from this software. It is incredible. Yeah. So when you say it's accredited or I don't know, accredited, that's a horrible word, um, recognised, you mean in terms of the process, the technical process, but also the cultural process. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. 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 Okay. So the Miramar software technology and applications, multimedia, multi-purpose process, technical training, recording, adding, enriching over time. And because time is of the essence, we need to make sure that the time in learning how to use Miramar and the get up and going needs to be easy and quick so you can get moving because we don't have time to go off and do a course how to learn it. We don't have time to sit there and watch 10 hours of videos to, to start utilising and enter your first record. None of that. This is like up and going straight away. It's got to be and, and it's got to be empowering for both children and elders, um, anyone and everyone. Beautiful. Yeah, pragmatic and all about resilience and getting on with the job. So having said that, so I'm a 60-year-old elder in a remote New South Wales community and me and my granddaughter have, got, have cottoned on to this and we've done the training. What, what, what do you tell us to do first? Not tell us. What do you advise or suggest to me and my granddaughter? We prioritise in terms of getting on with recording. Is it recording? Is it recording the other the old people? Is that the first step? Um, well, yes. Wherever you wherever you find it, you don't delay. Whatever you find, wherever you found, whether you're sitting down at the the local RSL or at the pub or at the park or whatever, and someone has spoken a word and you've scribbled it down on a paper napkin, is there's the start of gathering um, that. It's where you you just got to gather anything and everything into it. Yeah, you just. But but one of the one actually one of the first things we do is is that we are we that I do try and get people to think about is is, is um is that everyone's world is different. So like here in Newcastle, the environment, our world is our world is different to Dubbo out in Wiradjuri country. It's different to Nambaka up on Gumbangia country. It's different to Thursday Island up in the Torres Strait deserts. Everywhere is different. So you've, one of the first things to do is, is actually looking at your world and you bring in and make sure you represent your world through the word categories in the semantic domains so that you can bring all your languages and knowledges together so that um, everything can be accessed, utilised and shared easily down the track they are. And our worlds are different. You know, island people's worlds are different to the desert people's worlds and we need to acknowledge that. So you describe your world using using uh, those over overarching yeah terms there, and then you just go for crazy and and like we've got we've got some language groups are up to up to thirty thousand plus entries, essences of knowledge all all documented and and cared for and protected and uh, within Miramar itself. And do people often? Um, as they're finding their way or getting more confident or uh, they're all, you know, many people are great storytellers anyway, but do you find or do you suggest, as you say, talk about your place and every place is different, so it's going to throw up different um, understandings, concepts, nouns, you know. Um, but do you also really encourage people to, to, to document the, the names of the animals and the seasons and the plants because that's the glue that holds most languages together? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but one of the things, absolutely, yes, correct. Um, but one of the things we're trying to now do, and, th and this is even us, you know, seeing the light, 
is that we've got to stop just documenting them through a Western way of thinking. So it's not just... <laughs> no, no, labelling them in, yes, not just labels, lived, lived understandings, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Like um, I think it's like uh, one of the, I, f- I don't have the word for it, um, but Curly Saunders, an Aboriginal woman from the South Coast area, I think it's Gunachmara, um, language, which is her heritage language there, she she recollects this word to me, which I've forgotten, and to everyone else. It's this one word describes the what it's it's actually describes the warmth which your hands feel when placed near fire. Mm-hmm. It's a so that's how that needs to be documented, mm. not just as documented as as warmth. As not just as warmth. Yeah, no, it's this whole other Different sensory experiences and emotional experiences created by relational uh, impacts, influences, whether it's the wind, the fire, yeah. the season. Th- thanks thanks for that. So really, in a nutshell, everyone, head to the Miramar website because the software technology and the application is all there. Is it free, Darren, or how is it funded? Um, yeah, so actually. That's a good question. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So um, if you are Aboriginal, Torres Strait Islander, uh, Native, Indigenous, Native American, First Nations, First Peoples, whatever label we want to give ourselves, we provide uh, to a uh, not-for-profit organisation, Indigenous organisation from anywhere in the world, we provide Miramar to you at no cost. We sponsor you to receive the, the, the software and the support at no cost. Fortunately, if you're a, a school, an education department, an organisation, a library or whatever else, that's when we ask for a small bit of money um, to purchase the application. And we have not changed the price in over 17 years. Not a, not a CPI increase or anything. In, it's still the exact same purchase price from then. Otherwise, to the most of our mob out there, it is at no cost. Beautiful. And the training? Free, cheap and easy is how I usually come. <laughs> okay, well, we'll come back to that. Thank you. That's amazing. It's amazing. So it's this almost, well, it is, it's this commons resource you've made available. It, yeah. It's, it's, you're a rock star. You are a rock star. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing like uh, Teams and Zoom yeah. has enabled yeah. training to happen. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yes, freely. So much yeah. incredible. It is incredible. So there's a suite of things. And as you say, it's designed to be heavy multimedia enabling and empowering you can add more and more to it as you go and as technology changes that's that's amazing so it's not going to date it's not it's archivally sound as well that means as well um i hope <laughs> i wanted to i was going to ask you i sat in on that um, incredible workshop that you and jerry turpin and others facilitated at polima this is just a nice example of i suppose one of the chunks that goes into the miramar package mm-hmm. uh, and that was a workshop that was all about mapping and caring for country through language and what we literally did was get literate and hands-on with Google Maps <laughs> to, to, to map your country. <laughs> yeah. So uh, very important for all sorts of legal and other processes. Is, is that right? Is that right, Darren? So that's one example of the little chunks within the... Yeah, 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 absolutely. I, I wanted to ask you, gosh, as we've just said, you work with many people, many organisations in Australia and internationally, it is just incredible the reach of this software and what you've created and are delivering. Can can you just sort of spell out, I suppose, the sorts of people, the sorts of communities that you work with, perhaps, perhaps paint a bit of an overview, where you find the bulk of your work ends up sort of landing? So in Australia, we have um, roughly uh, 20, 22 um, officially funded federal uh, language centres major language programs funded through federal level at the uh, through the Indigenous Language and Arts Program, uh, administered through the um, Department of Office of the Arts or something or other. Uh, we have relationships and, you know, with, well, I hope with, if, if not many, but all of those there. Yeah. Uh, many of those utilise the Miramar software in some way, whether it's their primary resource for documenting language or whether it's a secondary for various reasons it's their choice when and how they utilize it Mm -hmm. so we can go from that upper level overarching uh, language center language program activity and that that provides um, magnificent value for money uh, back to that organization and of course to the government funding because it's actually employing our people to do this our next level if I could say below it could be 
um, like uh, ranger groups and uh, non-language based organizations which are uh, uh, of course need this and um, and they utilize it then we've got um, like a uh, uh, family groups and then we and then we can have yeah the individuals um, you yeah, know grandmother and granddaughter grandson with grandma um, documenting language I remember a few years back now I got a, uh, a request uh, for Miramar from Turkey and this gentleman had searched the world for something which could help him. He wrote in these requests that uh, my grandmother speaks a, uh, a rare Turkish dialect and everything she's been doing is, is she's been writing it all down onto um, paper and he's afraid that that paper is going to get lost and this is her language and her stories. And, and, and the relationships which exist with everything there with life that that person has had. And he was so worried about it being uh, all lost mm. even before yeah, she passes that he asked for Miramar to help support the documentation, the digitization and the future protection of his grandmother's knowledge from speaking of this rare Turkish dialect. Yeah, but who was to think that... Mm other languages, mainstream languages around the world have unique dialects existing within. You know, like Pakistan has the mountain dialects and the and the desert and the coastal dialects and so forth where, where I've been approached and we su have supported language activity there. It's, it's that it can come down to even just one person isolated, they're living off country. They're living 5,000 miles away or kilometres away from where they're born, from where their languages are supposed to be, and they're isolated around the other side of the world. But it's the one thing which connects them to home. So they sit there at home and they need something to be able to yeah, document and capture and learn from. Um, yeah, I've had uh, and still have, I've worked with a, a Native American school called uh, the Santa Fe Indian School in um, in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And they, uh, many years back, I think it's going back to around 2008, 2009, they started a thing called the Young Ancestors Program. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> These young children who were at Santa Fe Indian School, which is a boarding school, would go home on the weekends and um, back to their tribal reservation there and, and document their, uh, their language mentor, which could be someone within their family who was a full speaker, they would document their, them speaking, asking specific questions, document all of this on a recorder, come back to the boarding school um, on the Monday, and during that week, they would upload and, and type those transcriptions of what they learned into Miramar. You can actually um, go onto YouTube and just type in young ancestors and you'll come across a, a 10 minute video um, of them and you'll see um, them uh, sitting in, uh, you know, being interviewed and yarning about their experiences and so forth. And there's one scene there where there's some uh, laptops on their desk in front of them and sitting on their laptops is Miramar software, which is what they used. And it was back in... Um, I think it was 2011 and 2015, we actually brought those students to Pulimar. They came to uh, Pulimar in Brisbane when it was held in 2011. And also a second group was brought back to Australia um, to present at Pulimar in Melbourne in 2015. Th that was something which um, was part of something for them at the end of their journey at school they are to be able to share with other uh, Aboriginal youth here in Australia what they were doing and what they were achieving and it was um yeah it was pretty yeah like I, I actually got an email from one of them oh, during COVID I think it was I think it was uh might have been more towards the beginning of middle last year and I got an email from one of them and and he and he said oh hi Mr. Miramar, my name's such and such. I think it was Jer Jeremy. Um, he says, I don't know if you remember, but uh, you introduced me to Miramar. Um, it was like eight years ago. And I just want to tell you that 
even after we finished at school, I still continued to use Miramar every week to document um, my mother's language. And um, I'm just stuck at the moment. Can you help me, please? And, um, and uh, we quickly helped him within 10 minutes and he was back up and going. And, and this is someone, yeah, like I haven't heard from him for six years, but he's still using it every week. That's what matters. Oh, my gosh, there's a model for a competition for out the decade. Yeah. Every young person to go and record their own, become their own young ancestor. That, that is a really beautiful yeah. story and amazing. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. As you say, it's online, so anyone can access it any time once they've been given. But it doesn't sit online. So you, you obtain it from going to the website. When you download and install the application, not okay. it sits privately and securely on your own computer and does not need the internet to work. And that's also secure. Yeah. Alrighty. This is probably a dumb question, but I have to ask it, given the incredible global reach you've got. Is it presented in English? Uh, yes, but you have the ability... To sort of press translate this so you can go into Spanish or Portuguese or... Oh, no, not, not to translate this. So, like, if you have your... So you have your, your traditional language. Uh, so, like, in South America, um, we're talking about that um, an Amazonian language will not be... Tr- more than likely won't be translated to um, English. It will be translated possibly to uh, Portuguese or Spanish if you're in Mexico. The, but the big other language groups, Spanish, Mandarin. Yeah, so you can, yep, um, yep. So you can actually change your translation language to be any other language. Okay. But, but what the one I like is language to language, okay? So you're putting in, mm-hmm. I'll use Wiradjuri as an example, you're putting in your Wiradjuri words and your 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 meanings and your understanding, your thinking is all being entered into it as well within Wiradjuri. That is like, there's the ultimate goal. So it's like, as an example, if I explain to you the English dictionary, the English entries, and all the meanings and the definitions are all in English. Why aren't our Aboriginal languages, those dictionaries, which have our English words, why aren't they fully transcribed or, sorry, presented where the meanings and the definitions are all within that Aboriginal language? There's your goal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's sort of what Rhonda and Bernadette's work is going to, isn't it? They're translating uh, for, for the... Atlas for Living Australia, ALA. That's right, Atlas for Living Australia, yeah. Gimilaro language, first language to go on to that. Um, and, of course... That beautiful, that whole point about translation and who gets to translate and all the power that goes with it, the yield, the beautiful character in that, the, the grandfather who's writing the dictionary. So digressing. One last question, a few last questions. Darren, if I'm a ranger group or an Indigenous language centre who wants some in-person training, given there's you and who else within the team, what's the sort of waiting time, what, what's the time frame or the waiting list to have your whiz-bang magic help me learn what to do? We're just a small team, but... Yeah, fortunately, the federal government through the Closing the Gap initiative or report, I should say, and then then the federal government's response and some other factors, especially related to the uh, IDIL decade now, is that it has, a, it has actually um, helped inject some sorely needed extra funds to the language programs within Australia. It's certainly not mm-hmm. where we need to be, but we know it's a massive boost. So it's going to enable that our small team at Miramar, which I think is just four people, uh, one full-time person, um, unfortunately, uh, but I'm hoping now it will actually enable us to all be full-time and also to grow our team for tomorrow and beyond. Uh, that That's also... Um, hopefully going to be supported through the New South Wales government for us specifically to help concentrate on New South Wales activity and um, especially as well being our home state as such. But, um, yeah, we've, we're a small team, but, mm-hmm. you know, once you apply for Miramar, you know, like hopefully within 24 hours I've seen your email and I've sent you a reply back with your licence details and downloads and then just catch up whenever those person's ready and we'll get you going. Otherwise, 
they can get going all on their own and they don't even need me because everything that they need is on our website. Yeah, and it's user-friendly and accessible. It's, it's just fabulous. Dar- Darren, um, just before I headed to Palima, I listened to Professor Kim Scott, who's an author and well-known Noongar man, speak about how the recovery or the renewed study of Latin and Greek fueled the European Enlightenment and everything that came out of that science, literature, language, physics, you know, just this incredible proliferation of Western knowledge that came out of rediscovery or further study of Greek and Latin. And he told that in the context of saying, imagine what sort of renaissance will happen in Australia when all of our languages are recovered, restudied, reanimated. And it was just, it gets, it, it just, it's just such a beautiful and powerful evocation of why this matters through both lenses, you know, Western and 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 uh, Indigenous. And I thought that was in- incredibly beautiful. Yeah. So with that sort of, you know, high-level helicopter ambition on, if I asked you, thinking blue sky, if you had an unlimited budget, time, people and capacity, what would be your two to three blue sky dreams or goals that you'd most like to work on or to or support to further protect and revitalise Australia's first languages? And I think we've spoken about a lot of them perhaps already, but what would be your top two or three blue sky, no budget constraints, no people constraints, big things you'd go for this decade to protect and revitalise Australia's first language. Is this like a me personal and our organisation one or is this like for languages overall like... Um... It's you as the it's you as the international leader as you are in this space. It, what would you what would you do as the amazing leader you are in this space? Wish for and aim for for the revitalization of languages in Australia, generally, and perhaps also for Miramar. You can also put in a plug for Miramar there. What what would you like? Yeah, we we are a not for profit. Yes. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I'm not going to cry poor, but we you know for, for many you know we you know the local fish and chip shop you know, works on a greater budget and turnover each year than what we do. And yet here we are saving some of the world's you know, greatest knowledges. Yes. And um, and one of the things that, you know, I know I sorely do need to do is is, is, is that I do worry about uh, the Miramar technology and software in that if we don't, technology is changing every three months. Uh, we, we need to keep um, pace with, Mm-hmm. Um, not just technology changing, but also the needs and wants of the people who are saving their languages, who are sharing their languages, who are teaching and learning their languages. That is my 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 biggest worry that we can't keep pace with them. So like an architecture upgrade? This is architecture upgrade, but it's it's their wants and needs. Like they they'll they'll sit in Miramar and they'll enter all their place names of their of their um of, of, of their country there they'll add the gps the latitude and the longitude and they want to on their if they've got a, a second screen sitting next to them they want to be able to click a button and see all of them appear on a, on an amazing beautiful map of country and um uh unfortunately it's going to take them about 15 minutes and a, and a dozen steps to get to that so uh, but I do want to make it so that it's one click and one step and that it's there. That's a great example. That's a very tangible. Yeah, it's, you know, these are the things which uh, you know, people need. We want to be able to look at um, people. Everyone has a computer in their pocket. Everyone's got something far as powerful or more in their pocket. A laptop and a desktop computer is all sitting within our phones in our pockets. We don't use them as phones. They're computers. We rarely talk on them. Developing apps for these pocket computers, which we all love to have, phones, um, is expensive. It's extremely, extremely expensive. And the investment, like uh, some of our languages only have um, 50, 200 living people from that who have the right the human right to be speaking their languages. Some of our languages have got you know, 10, 15, 50,000 know, living people which have that right, that human right to be you know, speaking and living through their languages. Now, if they go develop an app, I'm going to tell you, like it's going to, you know, like a, a cheap app, a developer is going to charge 30 grand to make an app for them just to learn the body parts. Yeah, you know, that's ridiculous. 
I want to be able to make things cost effective and powerful and quick because things times at the essence. So if we can, I've got the, we've got the skills, we've, we've already got the planning, we've already got the dreams, our, our, our people have know what they want and know what they need. We just need that, that understanding and respect and, and that the invisible word is just as valuable as that art piece which gets painted and placed on canvas and hung on a wall. Okay, so the the the, the performance, the the song, the dance, the the story which is told in in front of an audience, the languages are just as important, and we need the same investment. Um, and and the thing is, is that I just would love to have it where we stop complaining that we don't have the ability to to physically meet the demand because it's one of the things which is happening at the moment with IDIL is is that the demand for the the 20 language programs language centers in Australia is skyrocketing yeah I was going to ask are they developing apps or is it too expensive for them to well it, it's well it's not for their um, some do some don't but what I'm more referring to is, is that the phone calls and the emails and the community demand, whether it be the local or the wider Australian community, coming now to language centres and language programs around Australia, when I tell you that I've got a team of four and not all of us are full-time, we cannot meet the demand which is coming to us and that's putting great strain and stress for us to be able to answer the phone calls, answer the emails, go out to the schools, go out to all the other places where we need to be to ensure our language services are servicing the needs and wants of wider Australia. And the language centres, is that right? Correct. We, yeah, the language centre, we, uh, we, we, this is the, uh, yeah, the, as uh, what happened with the international Year of Indigenous Languages, IYIL and IDIL is, is of course now the start of it again, but is, is that we need to be able to provide a service, but we need to have the capacity to provide that service. And um, and right at this moment, we don't. We, yeah, like every language centre should have a team of 10, 15 people in it, no different to the medical centre. Um, in every community which exists out there, no different to all the uh, the land councils which have uh, all of these other overarching Aboriginal organisations in Australia. It's the language centres which are the most poorly funded and the poorly supported, and the ones which not saying that we don't that others don't work as hard, but we work our butts off. I worry about the collapse of these because we don't have the capacity to meet the demand. And if we miss this chance of success and succeeding in having our languages placed solidly in Australia, where they should be at the position which they need to be, um, yeah, we're going to fall over. Darren, there's a very good proposal there for some very serious fundraising efforts. <laughs> I think it's, that's a, it's a, they're really compelling, yeah. coherent, important, not so not so blue sky, yeah. but very job, very urgent needs. So so thank you for that. Let's keep talking about that. On the back of that, right. tell me about how's planning for Palima 2023 going? Is that still going ahead in Darwin in 23? Uh, yes, correct. So um, it's exciting. We'll start our full-on um, planning of it uh, within the next couple of months. One year when we we hit around the one year out mark is when we we start to roll through our process of organising uh, the conference physically. But yeah, we are excited that um, it's going to hopefully be. Of course, well, it is. It's going back to Darwin and um, going to be at the Darwin Convention Centre and supported through the federal government and through the Northern Territory. Uh, government uh, as a starting point, as well as others which are expressing huge interest in the event. Uh, one of the things is, is that the Pulima Conference has had this long name of the Pulima National Indigenous Language Technology Conference. Yes. Um, we're going to shorten it even more. So last, in 2019, we took the word national out and I want to take a few words more out, and I would just love it <laughs> to possibly be, um, you know, referenced towards hopefully just the Pulima uh, Indigenous Language Conference and um, simplify it a bit more there. 
but you haven't asked what the word Polima means. Uh, the conference was first held in Newcastle on a Wabakal country there, and we we searched the language which we had found, and we found this phrase uh, Polima, which loosely translates to mean making voice. Yes, and that's what it's all about: is is coming together because no matter where we are in the country, wherever we are in the world, we just want to make voice once again. That's pretty simple, and um, and and that there. But yeah, yeah. So uh, it'll start moving and, um, pretty soon. Uh, it's a massive task uh, to to run this conference with over six hundred people last time, and and Jerry, of course, kicking off as our keynote speaker. Who thought we were going to hear a plant man talk about at a, at our language conference? Because normally it's usually a linguist up front talking first. So we reversed it all, but it's showing the importance of our languages and linguistics in what they need to do to save our languages because mm. our environment and everything within it, whether it's health for our people, whether it's uh, song uh, for our music people, whether it's our, um, sci- our own scientists in the water or on the land, we all need our languages. Darren, thank you for giving voice, making voice, and for what you do. It's just such a complete privilege and a pleasure to speak with you and uh, I look forward to touching base with you again I hope sometime soon and any further or final comments I think one of the here's something that I could probably give us as as the best and that's giving some words from our language and something which we like to say is uh, simply Nandakumbakumba which just uh, loosely translates to mean goodbye for now say it again for me so I can repeat it Nandakumbakumba Nandakumbakumba what a beautiful phrase thank you Darren it's been such a pleasure (laughs) I've been speaking with Darren McKetty, who is the founder and and CEO of Miramar Aboriginal Language and Technology Centre, about the incredible work that he and they do in Australia and overseas to help protect, promote and revitalise Indigenous languages and knowledge. Uh, Thank you. To learn more about Miramar, the platform, the resources and the great work they do and the upcoming Palima Conference in 2023, head to www.miramar.org.au and that is spelled M-I-R-O-M. And as Darren very modestly said, they're a not-for-profit organisation and he has given three fantastic um, blue sky visions, needs, wants to get behind Um, and you can get in touch with him to find out more about how to do that. Thanks so much, Darren. Thank you. Thanks for listening. To listen to more episodes of Nourishing Matters to Chew On, head to Foodswell's podcast page at foodswell.org.au backslash nourishing or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and stay in touch via instagram at nourishing underscore matters and on facebook at nourishing matters to chew on if you like what you hear and would like to support us give us a rating and a review in your favorite podcast app so other people can find us too 